Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Well, thanks for being here at LifePoint. If you're here for the first time, I really appreciate you coming, taking part of your day and checking out our church. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. I would love to meet you after the service. Just come down front. Rob Perry, one of our other pastors, will be down there just to greet you, say hello, and like to hear a little bit about how you found your way here to LifePoint today. We're in a series called The Story, and the story is better than I've ever seen done before, a way for people to get a grasp on God's big story. Because if you pick up the Bible and start reading it, it can get really confusing at times because it's not arranged chronologically. So the story does that for us. It pulls out core stories of scripture, arranges them chronologically so we can see the story of God from beginning all the way till the end. If you don't have a copy of that book, the story, you can pick one up for five bucks out at the cafe today. Also, please go on our website. If you're just joining us for the first few times, check out previous messages in the story. And also you can get a lot of resources on there that will help you go through this amazing story of how God pursues the hearts of people. Have you ever expected like something to be one way and it turns out to be another? Well, of course. What kind of a question is that? That happens to us all the time. I was trying to think of all the times in my life when I expected things to turn out one way, but it actually turned out a different way and was not what I expected. I had to go back several years, and I remember I was doing college ministry, and I took a group of kids on a mission trip like I did every spring break. And and this particular year, we decided to go to this church we had a partnership with in the inner city of New Orleans, Louisiana. And because they're college kids, they don't have much money for these short mission trips that we went on. I thought, well, we'll just bare bones it. We'll rent 15 passenger vans. We'll cut it as cheaply as we possibly can. So I get online to get a hotel and we decide to get kind of a, you know, mom and pop kind of place. And I'm looking at the, the pictures and I was like, this is pretty nice. And whatever it was per night was dramatically less than anywhere else. We get there. It's about 2 a.m. when we finally arrive and we pull in. There's no lights in the parking lot. So I'm thinking, all right, maybe made a bad decision. But I'm remembering those pictures I saw online. So, hey, maybe their lights are out. So we get in the rooms and it's not long until these 40 or so college kids that are with me start to discover this is a rent by the hour hotel. (laughs) That's all I have to say, right? It looked family oriented online. But when we got there, we didn't even stay. Two hours we were there, left, got our money back. (laughs) Literally, rent by the hour, so you can just let your mind go. Well, today's story is about how people were expecting one thing, but they got something else. See, we, we ended up a few weeks ago, the Old Testament, and talked about how at the end of the Old Testament, God just went silent. Rebelliousness, bad leadership mistake after mistake, and God just went silent for 400 years. And so for 400 years, religious people were thinking about this Messiah is going to come because we've read the prophecies. He's going to show up and he's going to set up this earthly kingdom and look who's going to be in charge now. Our people, our nation, we're chosen and we're going to rule the world when this Messiah shows up. And last week we found out the way this Messiah showed up When Jesus was born, it was anything but spectacular. A teenage pregnancy, almost a divorce, born in less than ideal conditions from a town of just manual laborers. Definitely not what people expected. 
There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. We give these out every week at LifePoint because we want everybody to have a Bible in their hand that wants one. Just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. It's yours to keep if you would like it. So the religious leaders expected Jesus to come to earth and set up this earthly kingdom. That he would be the king and he would have his king's court and he would have a palace. They were expecting all of that. And while they're still waiting for that, Jesus is in the background growing up. There's not really anything but one little episode in scripture about Jesus being a young man. He got separated from his parents. When they looked for him, they found him in the temple studying God's word, talking about God's word. And then you don't hear about Jesus again in scripture until he's an adult, until right when his ministry is set to begin, until he goes before John the Baptist to be baptized and then his ministry starts. And he starts impacting people and he starts changing the world. He starts teaching. He starts calling people to follow him. And while they were, the religious people, expecting this political leader, Jesus was in this, what they would have considered a backwoods town growing up with a little bit of controversy surrounding him, just going about his ministry. So today we're just going to be introduced to Well, what was the ministry of Jesus all about? Why did he do what he did? What would it have looked like had you been present in the first century and saw this guy Jesus come up on the scene and start to do his thing, start to influence people? Well, he did it in a way that no one expected. There's several episodes in scripture that show that. There was one town he was going into to speak, the town of Jericho. And there's this story of this, if you grew up going to Sunday school, this wee little man named Zacchaeus, who was so short he couldn't see Jesus above the crowd, so he climbed up in this tree so he could just get a glimpse of this teacher he had heard about, of this person that he had heard about would give hope, of this rabbi that accepted everyone, of this person who taught with such conviction that everybody wanted to listen. And so Zacchaeus climbs up in this tree and Jesus is walking by and he looks up in the tree, which being in the tree meant that that tree represented poverty. So he's up in this tree. He's actually a wealthy man. He's a tax collector and he's looking down, trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. And the episode begins that reveals to us what Jesus's ministry was all about. It says in Luke chapter 19, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything... I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So that's what Jesus is all about. He came to seek and save the lost. What's Jesus' ministry all about? It's not very complicated. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to seek and save that which the religious people kept looking over. 
that which the religious people would have looked at Zacchaeus, who was also a Jew, but he was hated by the Jews because he was a Jew who worked for the Romans to collect tax from the Jewish people. So because of that, and he probably skimmed a lot off the top, they hated him. And so when they see this person who's supposed to be the Messiah going to eat with this guy, which meant I approve of him, I love him, I accept him, all of a sudden, everybody's like, well, wait a minute, this guy can't be the Messiah because we look down on these dirty, filthy tax collectors. And there, there's, a, there's a lot of imagery in this story. It says that Jesus looked up at him instead of looking down on him like everybody else was. See, Jesus came, according to this, to seek and save the lost. Not to pacify the religious leaders, but to seek and save those who are lost. As the church today, we must do more than just have church. We've got to seek and save those who are lost. Now, it sounds judgmental to say, you're lost. But you can also say those who have lost their way, we've all, we have all lost our way. There are people who are living far from God. And Jesus recognized that and said, if I've got to embarrass myself in front of everybody, risk people talking badly about me, I'm going to do it because the reason I came was to seek and save the lost. Later, he says, that's what the church's job is to do as well as the body of Christ on earth. I have a friend who has a, a, a very large church and one of their ministries because their church is located in a town where there are a lot of strip clubs. One of the ministries they have is to strippers. The ladies from their church go to the strip clubs, pray for those ladies, give them scriptures. And one of the ladies tells this story. She went into the girl's dressing room or well, I guess undressing room. We wouldn't have a dressing room in a strip club, but dressing room and on the mirror where she gets ready for her dance routine to take her clothes off in front of men are the scriptures that she had been given her. Now, guys, before you get excited and go, I want to start one of those ministries. How do you get that going here? Don't, we're, we're asking you to go to the men's event, not start that ministry. That's only for women to do. But lives are changing. And he tells me the story about how many of these women have come to their church, accepted Christ, followed him in baptism, and are now helping other women get out of that issue. I mean, I think we would all agree that if some woman is taking her clothes off in front of men for money, she's lost her way. And Jesus came to seek and save those types of people. And he didn't care to get around those types of people. He didn't care to get around anybody, no matter what they were doing, no matter what lifestyle they led. He got around them because if he could get close to them, it gave them more of an opportunity to share his good news and forgiveness with them. I used to go to a prison that willingly, I went to this prison and I, I shot this video once with a bunch of inmates that were lifers because they had all they didn't say what they'd done but they had all committed murder I already knew that and as I sat there and I listened to each of them tell their story of how they found Jesus I found myself envying their faith and the depths of their faith because they had found Jesus in the depths of their despair as low as any human being could ever go and somehow in the middle of all of that Christ 
came to them and they accepted him. And that's what Jesus's ministry is all about. Seeking and saving that which was lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus came to find people. And all throughout his ministry, you can see Jesus over and over again finding people. He found a bunch of fishermen who were just manual laborers, uneducated fishermen. And he said, come follow me and we're going to change the world. And they did. He called hundreds to follow him who were rejected by the religious leaders of today, of the day. He wouldn't be the political leader that they wanted, but he would do something greater than any politician could ever do. He found people and he rescued them. And if you ever think that you've gone too far, that too much has happened, that, that you've said no too much or yes too much or stayed away too much, or you've made too many mistakes and you think, if I could just come to church and sit on the back row, not really get involved and just kind of maybe learn a little bit, that would be great. I want you to pay attention to this story that I'm getting ready to share with you from the ministry of Christ. Jesus was out teaching. He was teaching like he did every day and he got hungry like any person would do. He got hungry, he got thirsty. And so he sends his disciples into this town to buy food and he sees a well and he goes to stop at this well and get a drink. And when he stopped at this well, just going about his daily business to get a drink, Listen what happened in John chapter 4. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Well, that's judgmental. Why wouldn't a Jew associate with a Samaritan? Now remember, Jesus is all about finding people, but the Jewish people of this day actually thought they were better than Samaritans because 400, 450 years, close to, closer to 500 years before Jesus showed up on the scene, if you remember from earlier installments of the story, if you were here, the Jewish people were taken into Assyrian and Babylonian captivity and during the Assyrian captivity, the ones that were taken there, the Assyrian king brought in a bunch of foreigners to kind of intermingle with the Jewish people. And so they brought their pagan religions. Some of them listened and became kind of Jewish, but they still held on to their pagan religion. They kind of mixed the two together. And then it wasn't long until they started to intermarry. And Samaritans and Jewish people intermarried. And so from then on, Jewish people looked at Samaritans as a half-breed. You're not really Jewish. You're too much pagan. And so this woman would have been shocked, number one, that a man talked to her in public, and number two, clearly a rabbi who would have not been caught anywhere speaking to a Samaritan woman in public. And so right off the bat, she's shocked that this rabbi would even speak to her because she's a Samaritan. And Jews and Samaritans, there's like, you know, like Duke and Carolina and state fans, they don't mix. They don't go together well. When they all get together, it's not a good, it's not a pretty sight. That's the deal with Jews and Samaritans. They didn't mix with each other. But Jesus finds himself doing 
what the religious leaders did a horrible job of doing. And that's talking to people. Jesus was looking her eye to eye when all the religious people of the day would have done was look down at her, at all Samaritans, and especially this lady. And so he engages in a conversation with her. And she doesn't understand it. Like, why is this guy doing this? You may not understand. Why do I keep coming back to church? Why do, I, why do I do that? Why do I keep coming? But there's something about this place or wherever that's pulling you in to some kind of spiritual conversation or thoughts or desires. And this woman 2,000 years ago is experiencing the same thing. She's being sucked into this conversation and she realizes this guy's different. He's talking to me. Something is weird here. And they go on in the conversation just about the well and the water. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. See, she's going about her daily life. Jesus is about finding people. And he has a conversation, a simple conversation with this woman. And listen what happens. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Well, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. I mean, her only response is, well, you got me there, Jesus. You're right. I mean... You know when your mom would catch you and you get all three names like blurted out, blurted out at you? And your red hand is like, okay, mom, you caught me. I got, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I remember when I was, I was about 12 years old and, you know, I hung out with some people. It caused me to make bad decisions and I shouldn't have been hanging out with. And one of the bad decisions was uh, the language that they used. And, and one day my mom filter came off when I was upset. And I promise you, I meant to say shoot, but I didn't. And a 12-year-old saying that word to his mother is not good. I got all three words, and it was like, I can't make an excuse. I can't. I was just like, get the soap. Let's just get this over with. I shouldn't have said that. And it, it was bad. And so here, here's this woman with Jesus, and all of a sudden he said, yeah, you, don't have, you can't call your husband because you don't have one. You've had five, and the guy you're with now, you're just living with. And her only response would be, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm guilty on all accounts. Clearly, she's having relationship troubles. Jesus could have just said, what is your problem, woman? What is your deal? What is so messed up with you that you run from relationship to relationship to relationship? Are you insecure? Do you just pick losers every time? Are you difficult to get along with? What's the deal? He didn't do any of that. He just stayed in a conversation with her. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus will have a conversation with me no matter where I am. No matter what mistakes I've made, he will talk to me. We have to remember that because religious people, religion, even today has this tendency to think that, hey, Jesus is only on our side and he's not on the side of you people that seemingly make really bad lifestyle decisions. But Jesus would go to them, whatever that thing is you're thinking about or you might think I'm trying to talk about, that whatever that thing is, Jesus would go and talk to them. Jesus would be in the streets with sinners. 
He wouldn't be in the synagogue with all the saints. He would be in the streets meeting people like this woman, meeting people like Zacchaeus. And so Jesus goes on to reveal himself to her as the Messiah. And in this one episode, this woman learns more about the Messiah than all the religious people of the day. All the Jewish leaders, all of them missed it, but this woman got it. And it was because, you know, rabbis didn't talk to Samaritan women for sure. Definitely not in public, but this one did. And it clearly had an impact. I don't know what she did after this. We know some because it's recorded in scripture. I bet she went home and kicked that guy out. I'm just saying, I bet she went home and said, I just talked to Jesus. You got to go. I would imagine that's what it looked like. Because as you read on in the story, it's clear she had some listening and some hearing among her people. I mean, she had to say, I met the Messiah, you have to go. And all of this happened because Jesus found people. And this is where the story just takes a turn. And it's like, that's what happens when people get found. That's what happens when people truly meet the Messiah. See, you meet people every day, every day, and, and you don't know what to say. Should I invite them to church? Should I tell them about my Bible study? Should I tell them about my faith? Should I really tell them? I don't want to offend them. I've got to be careful. But take this woman's example to build your confidence in no matter who you are, no matter how much or little you know. In fact, the less you know, the better. You can share the love of Christ with other people because he's changed your life. So she met the Messiah and she goes and tells people about it. And this is how, how it's recorded in the book of John chapter four. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they go and they see her. And the scene's not recorded in scripture, but I can just imagine this woman say, you got to come and see this guy. This woman who probably had her head held low in shame because of her life, all of a sudden had brighter eyes and her chin was up and she's saying, you all must come. I, this guy just told me things about myself that nobody knows. You have to come. And here's what happened. They go, they believe, and here's what they end up saying to her. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, <clears throat> and we know this man is really the Savior of the world. They believe because of the testimony of a woman who couldn't hold relationships together. Again, we're right back at this same theme, how God uses unlikely people. You would think Jesus is coming. He's going to go get all the religious leaders and use them. But he said, no, I want this woman that's been married four times and is now shacked up with a guy. I want this crooked tax collector. That's who I want. I want this uneducated person, that messed up person, that drunkard. That's who I want to come and help me lead this charge to save the world. And again, in scripture, in God's big story, he looks at the most unlikeliest of people and says, yes. I can use you. I would like to use you to make a difference because Jesus came to find people. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Found people, find people. That's his plan. 
that the people who are found are the ones that go and find. Found people find people. And in this room, you could probably fall into a couple different categories. You've either, well, you definitely would. You've either found your way or you've lost your way. There is no middle ground. Either you're sitting here today saying, yes, I found my way. Yes, I make mistakes, but, but I've found my way. I know that Jesus is the way. I'm living that to the best of my ability. I'm, I'm, I'm living in his grace and forgiveness. And that's many of you. But I bet there's people here that you came in thinking, I'm lost and I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. The relationship, the money, the addiction, the doubts, the problem, the depression, something. I'm just lost. And I've lost my way. If that's you, talk to me. Talk to somebody you know as a follower of Christ and say, how do, you, how do I get there? How do I find my way back? How do I find my way to begin with? It was so easy for her to find people because she herself knew the joy of being found. And the most dangerous thing a follower of Christ can do is to forget the sting of being lost. To forget what it's like not to be found. Because it was her knowing, hey, I used to be like this and now I'm like that. That motivated her to tell people. And when we forget that we're lost, lost our way, mistake filled, living far from God. If we forget what that felt like, we're going to be a lot less likely to say, hey, I got to tell you a story. And I want to introduce you to this man, Jesus, and what he's done in my life. So if I'm going to find people, just some quick things. This is not on the screen, but if you're taking notes, I'm, if I'm going to find people, I must have a conversation with Jesus. I have to. I ha- if, I, if I'm not found, I can't find. So if I'm, going to be, if I'm going to find people, I've got to be found. Then I have to be honest with where I am. Just have to be honest. You don't have to be perfect to go share your faith with somebody else and share what Christ has done in your life. It's like, hey, I'm messed up too. You're messed up, great. Let's have coffee. We should talk about that. But here's what I do with my messed upness. I take it to Jesus. And I'm, I, if I'm going to find people, I must engage in conversation with others. Now, this is, this is difficult. Sounds easy. Well, I'll have a conversation. Well, it's not easy because you're either a talker or you're a listener. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? All right, talkers in the room, raise your hand. Come on, be proud, be proud. I'm with you. I totally get it. So the rest of you are listeners. You're better than us, I guess. I have to struggle and grit my teeth and look straight in somebody's eye and go, listen, listen, listen. Don't talk. Don't talk. I I just talk better than I listen. My wife knows he's not listening. He's just talking. He just wants to tell me. And she will take her hands and she'll put them on my cheeks and she'll look me in the eye and say, are you listening to me? Like I am now. I got, you got my attention. So you're either a talker or a listener. You have to learn. You may not be the best listener in the world, but everybody can learn to listen. I've learned to do it. You can learn to be a better listener. And so if we are going to be people who find people, we got to engage in conversations and listen. Now, for you listeners, you also have to talk about it. We don't have a problem talking about things that move us, right? If you see a great movie, what do you do? I don't tell anybody about it. Liar, you tell everybody about it. You see something great, you experience something great, you find something on sale, you just got to tell everybody. You can't believe what the deal. You got to go get this deal. Your life won't be complete. So you tell people about it. 
And the best marketing that can be done is not ads during the Super Bowl. It's not print ads. It's not internet ads. It's not billboards. You know what the best marketing is? People. People talking about a product. That's what like the company Apple banked on. And look, worldwide, I mean, everybody, it's either Apple or idiots, right? That's kind of how they, they made, it, made it for the world. If you don't like Apple stuff, you're just not right. There's something wrong with you. With our faith, we've got to be that vocal, that excited about it. And if we are, if we understand that we were lost, that we were found, it's easier to have a conversation with where we are and where other people are by just asking questions. How's it going? Great. And then gives you an opportunity to talk about your faith. You may not have all the answers. You may not have a clue. We can help you figure out what scriptures to turn to. Don't let that intimidate you. I doubt this woman knew many scriptures. She probably didn't go say, hey, the Bible says this and this and this here in this chapter and this verse, so go meet this guy. That's not what she was doing. She was saying, I just had this experience with the Messiah. You must have it as well. You can talk about your experience. You don't need any special education to do that. You just need confidence to do it and talk about the experience of being found. Nobody can argue with that. Nobody can, can, can say that's not real because it's your experience. Now, I think most people don't talk about their faith because they're not sure how. And that's the majority of people. They just don't know how. Don't know where to start. Or it's just not impacted your life that much. Enough to say, I have to tell my friend about this. I, I have to let somebody else know about this. I see people wandering through life being lost. I have to tell somebody. So which is it? Is it because you, you're not sure how? Or is it because it just really hasn't impacted your life that much? You interact with people every day at school. You interact with people at work, in your neighborhood, in your whatever groups you're in. You interact with people every day who are hurting. And all they need is a conversation. Yesterday, my family, all three of the, the ladies had plans. And so here I am by myself on a Saturday evening. I thought, well, I'll look over my message notes. And then I got hungry, so I went to Moe's. Going through the line at Moe's, I got my LifePoint shirt on that says, these are my church clothes. And the girl, as she's, you know, ringing up the register, she said, is that, that's really your church clothes? <laughs> yeah, people wear this to the church. Well, in fact, we prefer it. Really, what's the church? And I was like, LifePoint Church says it right on the back. And she said, I was just talking. And she brought this other girl over. I was just talking. We need to go to church. I, and then she kind of got a little quieter. And she goes, no, I really need to go back to church. And I've been looking for one. And I said, I'm going to get a card. and I'm going to bring it back in. So I wrote the times and everything on our invite card. And I handed it to her. And I said, I, I'm going to look for you. I hope to see you there. I said, you'll probably see me. I didn't tell her who I was. I didn't. If you say pastor, if you say pastor, it kind of like, oh yeah, of course he'll invite me. So I didn't tell her. So if you're here, thank you for coming. Thank you for letting that weird guy invite you to church. Maybe she's here, but it was just a simple conversation. Something that you can do every single day because you think it was random that I went to Moe's yesterday? No. Think it was random I went to that one. Think it was random I just happened to have that t-shirt on. Think it was random we had that conversation? No. 
Do you think it was random that you came today or you saw the sign out on the street and said, hey, I'm going to check out that new church building or I'm going to check out this church I never heard of before or my friend keeps asking me and I'm going to go. Do you think all of that was random? Do you think it was random that Jesus was even in a conversation with this lady at the well? Not at all. That story started out saying Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, Jews would go around and go out of their way not to go through that town because they didn't want to mess around with Samaritans. They didn't want to see them. They didn't want to talk to them. So they just avoided them. Jesus went right through the middle. It wasn't random. It wasn't just a random act. So why, whatever, you're do, whatever brought you here, whatever conversations and interaction you have, it's not random. It's an opportunity for either you to be found or you to help find someone else. C.S. Lewis says this when we talk about finding people. It's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature of which, if you saw it now, you would strongly be tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as, you know, such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are, in some degree, helping each other to one another of these two destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe of the circumspection proper to them, that we should conduct all of our dealings and interactions with one another. All friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Found people, find people. Go find people. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the way you reveal yourself to us and for the ministry of Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.